right, welcome to Black Consumer News of Arkansas Radio. Black Consumer News, news that empowers. You're listening to KABF 88.3, The Voice of the People. Welcome back to this week's edition of BCN's Headlines as Little Rock and the rest of the nation head back to school. We are dedicating this show to Roosevelt Franklin. If you don't know or can't remember, Roosevelt was the black Sesame Street puppet who also was one of the first rappers. He helped a whole generation of black kids learn to love numbers. So Sesame Street, Roosevelt, um, Franklin's numbers um, impact us all. For those of us who remember, Wesley, I think you remember him quite well. I used to sit in front of the TV on Sesame Street, and when Roosevelt came on, I was always excited, always jumping up and down. So, yeah, I do remember. All right. So, in honor of Roosevelt, this is the BCN Numbers Show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and our uh, as far as this week's numbers concerning um, COVID nineteen, we'll be talking about that, and also we're going to be talking about the census. Yeah, um, so a lot we're gonna, of numbers. A lot of numbers today. So, let's just start. We're talking about some of the COVID numbers right now. 3,549, that was the number of COVID cases, COVID-19 cases on Thursday. Right. The fourth highest number since the Delta variant arrived in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 41,000 is how many COVID cases uh, we have had in the past month. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1,145,097. That is the number of the Arkansas's Arkansans uh, that have been fully vaccinated or mm-hmm. immunized, I should mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And then 331, that is how many hospitalizations Arkansas patients are um, on, unfortunately, ventilators. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, and as we continue to uh, work through uh, the pandemic and uh, variants, it's just we would just want to say here at BCN that we want everyone to, to stay safe, mask up. Um, for your mental safety and your physical safety mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we will also talk about those numbers and why the Biden administration and the World Health Organization are now on different pages concerning the booster, the booster shot. Shots. Yeah, yeah. We also want to ask you to please go online and check us out and sign up for our weekly online newsletter mm-hmm. and you'll receive our our monday morning brew, brew the monday BCN morning newsletter yes so have um, a cup of coffee with us on ha- monday have a cup of coffee also for more information about bcn or that um you know follow us on facebook and twitter and also instagram we want to say thank you for all your support Every week, our numbers are growing, and it's because of you, our readers, and all the support that you give us. And uh, that support keeps us going. That lights our fire and tells us that that we're doing a great job, and uh, we appreciate you. And thank you, thank you. We can't really thank you enough for your support. And for our listeners today, we want you to call in and join in on our conversation here at Black Consumer News Radio by dialing 501-433-0088. I'm your host, Angel Bird, BCN's Chief Creative Officer and co-producer of this show. I also want to introduce our co-host, BCN's publisher and executive editor, Wesley Brown, who's also the publisher at The Daily Record. Yes. Good morning. All righty. I don't know. I think we, do we already have a caller this morning? Did you, did you, did you have a uh, question already? 
or a comment? Maybe not. <laughs> sometimes that happens. This is community radio, yeah, right? People be listening. It's like, I'm calling in. I don't know what I'm calling in for, but she well, put that number out there. Okay? And I want to say something. And listen, caller, if I if I hung up too quick, you're welcome to call back. Because I was thinking maybe she was having some issues. You know, like, you know, I say she because the, the, the caller ID said the name on there. But um, if you need to call back at 501-433-0088, please feel free to do that. And we're not giving away any, you know, sometimes you, you put out the numbers back in the day, right? It was to win that prize, mm-hmm. right? Well, so we got to do a better job. We got to start offering so some, some more, prize. Get, okay. get some more prizes okay. going I, on I, up I here. Take care of All righty. So as we always begin with our headlines, but before we want to thank our special guest that's in the studio with All us. Right. Good morning, Laura Martin. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good morning to you. And thank both. you so much for being here. Um, Laura is with our Little Rock Police Department. She's our communications director there. And um, did I say that right? Community relations. Relations, right. <laughs> but she does a lot of communications, right? Absolutely. And we want to thank you so much for being here. And um, there's a lot going on in, in, in our city as far as the Little Rock Police Department, um, our city as a whole and Lori's going to be sharing some information with us and again we thank you for being here with us. Lori we always start off with our headlines what's going on nationally as well as locally and you are welcome to chime in as well as our listening audience they they, they know it by now right mm-hmm. Wes so yeah so we're going to jump right in the University of Arkansas for Medical Science on Monday began offering COVID-19 booster shots after Biden the Biden administration uh, reversed its policy for a third dose um, of the uh, government-approved vaccine. So, Wes, let's talk about that a little bit. They reversed their decision on that. So let's talk about what it, what was the first decision and then the reasons why we think that they may have re- reversed the idea of the booster shot. And so, so we know that the FDA approved uh, uh, the COVID vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna mm-hmm. uh, just before the end of the year in 2020, and we've been... Uh, uh, to date, as you mentioned, one of those numbers about a, mi- a mid, little bit over a million people in Arkansas have been have received uh, the two doses. That's uh, Pfizer and uh, both of Moderna has what's called a two dose protocol, where they get two shots. One is 21 days apart, and one's 14 days apart, uh, but to protect them from the the COVID. Uh, 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 from COVID-19 and then there's also the Johnson and Johnson Janssen vaccine not used much in Arkansas but it's a one dose but some of the schools are using that I think Euler University of Arkansas Little Rock uses that uh, but under that the FDA approval process uh, 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 we are now into the next stage where uh, Pfizer has asked for uh, FDA approval emergency authorization on a third shot that, and let's talk a little bit about the, 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 you know, the emergency authorization. Let's kind of go back in time on that again. So, mm-hmm. so when that is actually put in place, is that, is that FDA approval or is that something that, you know, we put in place so we can go ahead and get the vaccine out? Kind of, let's talk about that. Well, a bit. the the emergency authorization is kind of a fast track. You, mm-hmm. you, we haven't seen that. Uh, uh, generally, uh, the approval process for any drug through FDA to come from. Uh, research to testing to market that generally takes about uh, several years sometimes as much as some drugs takes as much as 10 years Uh, uh, but when you have a a public health emergency such as uh, HIV you remember that and then some others uh, 
uh, FDA can speed that process up. And under uh, uh, when the COVID-19 was declared, or uh, World Health Organization declared the COVID a, a global pandemic in March uh, 11, 2020, then that process began to move, even though there was a process already for vaccine uh, of uh, SARS, what's called right, SARS, right. Uh, a variation of a, of kind of a flu type uh, uh, disease. That process has already started. So the United States put in place, the, the, at that time, the, the Trump administration put in place this fast track of, of COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, and I think sometimes that fast track is at least, you know, for some of my friends and family members get people a little bit confused mm -hmm. because everything is happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. And then when you're talking about one vaccine, two vaccines, and now a booster, mm -hmm. it's a wonder that the Biden administration kind of is going back and forth on whether yeah, or not to they, actually... they basically said a month ago, mm -hmm. uh, they said that, that third booster shots weren't needed. Uh, so they, but we're starting to see people who have had the COVID uh, who had the shot are now uh, they're getting COVID yes. nineteen. Not as not, in a lot of cases they say it's not as bad uh, as the. Uh, but this Delta variant is affecting anybody. And what we're seeing now is that now Pfizer originally had said that the the COVID nineteen vaccine was effective for a complete year. Yeah, and sometimes I think. Um you know, and, and some people have alluded to this as well, if they would break down the numbers as far as if I've had the vaccine mm -hmm. and now I'm getting um, the variant mm -hmm. uh, or not. I think those numbers are, are just as important mm -hmm. um, uh, for people to know how that breakdown is actually uh, affecting us. And that way we get more, I think, more cohesiveness and understanding exactly how it's working. In Arkansas, we'll look at the numbers of our population. We have a, just a little bit, of, according to the census, new census yeah. Data, and we'll talk about that. a little bit over three million people so about uh to reach what we call herd immunity you generally want to get two-thirds of that population immunized we're well below that we actually we are pretty close to last in the nation where we have one million that have been vaccinated out of three million that's about 30 a little bit over almost 40 percent we are at now the national average is 50 percent so what we have in arkansas is yeah. uh is the difference between the vaccinated and unvaccinated uh, for those who've been vaccinated, you've had two shots, most of us. And this booster shot is considered a third shot. For unvaccinated people, they've got, still got to get the first and second yeah. shot. Right, right. So, and then and then knowing the numbers of those people, that, that's the, I think that was the, the, the question that, that um, some people are, are asking, is that if I've gotten the shot, mm -hmm. because I have family members that have gotten the shot and, and, and friends who have other friends that have gotten the shot, but they're actually getting the actual Delta variant. And it, like you said, it may not be as, um, they may not be getting as sick, but they're still getting yeah, yeah. Um, um, COVID. Right. So and you can jump in here. And I, yeah. I, I think the co-mingling of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated mm -hmm. is part of the issue. Yeah. Because if the three of us we're all vaccinated and then we're talking to someone who isn't mm -hmm. um certainly we could still uh with the delta variant being more transmissible mm -hmm. it's very easy that we could get it and uh our sickness would not be as severe right that's, that's the point so but that carries it on and makes it skews the numbers in terms of breakthrough mm -hmm. and then it also 
it, it doesn't help in our effort to get everybody vaccinated yeah, it's, because yeah, it's yeah. like, why should I? You have it now mm-hmm. and you are vaccinated. So why should I get it? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And, and the thing is, is like you said, it spreads very easily. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it doesn't mean that that when you get the shot that you can't spread it to someone. Right. Uh, so what's happening now is that people are now beginning to ask because last week, as you said, mentioned the CDC uh, reversed this, this policy to offer booster shots. Uh, when Pfizer said it was going to uh, foul and try to get uh, to offer booster shots, the, uh, the CDC has said, no, we don't need to do that. This is supposed to last a year. But now we're learning Coming that the back. Pfizer really doesn't the effectiveness of those two shots may last about eight months and 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 and, you know sometimes um i guess the opposing question would be you know as far as the fast track that we were talking about that Mm. we're we're fastly moving through this thing it's it's unknown and so there's there's a you know there's a lot of unknowns out there Mm -hmm. um the COVID 19 lawsuit though that that came up in the pulaski county circuit judge um tim fox on friday issued a preliminary injunction against the active uh, 1002 as far as mask wearing mandates here in the state of Arkansas. Um, um, and I, he said that this, it discriminated between the public and the private schools. Let's talk about that a little bit, Wes, because um, Vicki Hatter, uh, the president of the Little Rock School Board, uh, was here last week. Matter of fact, that the, this um, yeah, she, the, they, they judgment were, has not even gone through yet. They had already, we were talking about the lawsuit then. Mm-hmm, yeah, she did. Little Rock uh, School District and some plaintiffs and the Marion School District up in, in the Northeast Arkansas, they filed the lawsuit, uh, basically Act 1002, which is by uh, Senator uh, Garner, Trent Garner, mm-hmm. Elder Raider, mm-hmm. uh, when he filed that during the legislative session, it, it went into effect on July 28th. Basically says, uh, I cannot uh, prevent uh, uh, any government uh, entity or school district cannot implement a mass mandate. And so that basically got that you've got these two sides now. And so this lawsuit was filed and Judge Fox said, I'm going to uh, uh, implement a temporary injunction. So the law can't really go into effect. So what's going to happen now mm-hmm. is that that decision will probably go to the Arkansas Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. The problem with that for the schools is that that Supreme Court is 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 GOP leaning. It means it's got a six three. Their decisions kind of kind of, so. If this decision is uh, 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 kind of reversed again, then what you'll see is that the schools have to basically. They can't, your children have to go to school without a mask. Mm-hmm. That's basically what, what will happen. Or or let's see what uh, uh, Mayor Scott implemented a mask mandate for government entities. That uh, mandate would also have to be rolled back. So what you will see is this Once just- Once it goes to the Supreme Court. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that that's the effect. But then it will be appealed, and then it will go to a federal court, go through the federal process court. Uh, it, I don't know if it, it, it could be fast-tracked by, uh, by the federal courts, but I don't see that happening. And there's already been a Supreme Court decision that basically reversed, did the same thing as Judge Fox did. So it, I think we're just in for a long time where, and you've got this debate that's starting from the legislature at the federal government and Congress, but also yes. it's starting to come down to school boards. You know, yeah. you, people are being attacked for, for making these decisions. And uh, as you said, there's a lot of confusion. The, F- F- the CDC with this decision didn't really do us any good to reverse the decision. And now the World Health Organization has said, well, we don't need a, they basically said, said you know, uh, you know, on this issue of 
of the mask mandate. They basically said, you know, we don't need that. So you see the uh, CDC and the World Health Organization. I think people have to use page. a lot of common sense. Do your own research. Yeah, do your own research. Due diligence. Use, use your, your your common sense, and 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 I I won't ever give up on the gut instinct, right? Mm, make, yeah, make sure yeah. that you know. In church, you know, we call that the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I ain't gonna get into that though. So. Hey, you're listening to KABF 88.3, the voice of the people, and we've got some people's voices on here today. Uh, Laura uh, Martin uh, from the Little Rock Police Department. She's the community engagement director there uh, that we're going to be talking about, talking with here in the in the next 15 minutes or so. And then, of course, our co-host uh, Wesley Brown is here, and you are here with us as well. So give us a call if you have any questions, or you want to chime in on our conversation at 501-433-0088. So if you like numbers, every 10 years, by law, the U.S. Census Bureau must count every person that lives in the United States, not just the citizens, but everybody that's everybody. here, right? Mm-hmm. So on August the 12th, the first data sets came out, and here is what is new. Mm-hmm. So, Wes, you want to go over those numbers with us and give us the data behind them? Okay, yeah. You, right. We've got 331 that's the number of people that are living in the United States right now. Uh, 22,703,743. That's the increase in the number of the U.S. population since 2010, since the last census. To, to, and that 22 million, that's about twice the size of New York City. Mm-hmm. So that, that's uh, the increase. 49.9 million, or let's say round that off, 50 million. That's how many black people who identify only as black only. But as you know, uh, the, uh, the big number uh, in the census was that the number of multiracial, a multiracial or biracial, or, uh, that uh-huh. number has seen the biggest jump, 264% from 9 million all the way up to about 40 million. So uh, uh, 3 million, uh, zero, uh, 3,080,156, that's the number of people in, Arkansas mm-hmm. proper, and then there's 2,591. That's the new population of Little Rock, which kind of puts us in a new category. Mm-hmm. First time any city in Arkansas has been over 200,000, and as Mayor Scott announced uh, uh, on Thursday, it kind of uh, uh, gives us a new kick in the pants because you go from being uh, uh, an, uh, basically, a, a, a 193. When you get over 2,000, you're basically in an urban area. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and the big thing he said came out of we are more diverse, mm-hmm. uh, and that is also a part of that 331, 331 million. That number, the, for the first time in Arkansas and the United States, the white population declined. Wow. So uh, those and, and the, some new numbers are going to come on. Uh, September 30, and we can break down those a little bit more. So what what does those numbers look like, and how do you think these will affect um, his campaign to pass the penny sales tax? Well, I think, and, and, and Laura, you can come Sorry, in uh, on this. Uh, uh, he's kind of uh, centered around, he's, 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 you know, he named a new uh, diverse uh, uh, equity uh, 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 member of his staff, and that person was there at that press conference, and, and he's been talking about how Little Rock is a more diverse uh, 
a population and we have to provide services to that population Absolutely. in a way that everything is equitable and equal. So Absolutely. I think he's going to use that as a part of his campaign uh, for the upcoming election on the penny sales tax. Very important. And, and as we look at numbers uh, specifically for the Little Rock Police Department, um, and it's very well known that uh, 70% of our, our sworn officers do not live mm -hmm. in the city of Little Rock. Mm -hmm. So there is... Um, That's there been has, a debate for yeah, a long and time. A and debate. the residency, everybody has talked about requiring residency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having studied the um, human resources aspect of it and looking at the number of applicants coming in, mm -hmm. um, in the police department, we would be hard-stretched mm -hmm. to even maintain a really good number staffing wise um, if we implemented a residency policy mm -hmm. although I have views that I can't always share um, <laughs> but I believe you should live in the community um, oh. and serve in the community where you work mm -hmm. and when you have 70% that mm -hmm. live in Saline County or as far away as Greenbrier I don't mm -hmm. know if that's Conway yeah. County but um, you, you have to wonder about the buy-in of truly wanting to make those changes within the communities. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I know with Chief Humphrey, uh, actually, when I started my career as a, a journalist in, in uh, the Tulsa world in Oklahoma, he was in Norman, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and he was, at that time, he was an advocate of community policing, Absolutely. what you're talking about, Absolutely. where the police uh, live in the same community that they uh, police in, and, I, and that's important to me. And to implement that, he's brought some of those views here to Little Rock, uh, but it's like you said, there's 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 debate on both sides of that issue, right. and so and uh, uh, no, I think that debate will continue. But I, I do think, uh, from a personal standpoint, I like to see a policeman right down the street from me, like in my community I live well, in. I, I think it's important that you know, I think on the what we're what we're really trying to say is that if you are committed to the community that you're serving, then you need to be a part of that community that you are serving. Mm -hmm. Because if you're outside of that, then really, quite honestly, how can you then understand really what's going on? Really, you, you can't if you're not a part of it. So being a part of it, I think will, would definitely help understand the community, help the interaction with community, uh, people that live in the neighborhoods, and, um, I think uh, we have a caller on the line. I'm so sorry. I, I think we hung up on you just a moment ago. Caller, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm all right. I was listening to Mr. West, and uh, I can hear him talking on the phone. I kept saying, hello, hello. I figured he didn't hear me. <laughs> all right. I try to call back again. All right. Thank I, I you. Want, huh? I said thank you. Go ahead. with. you have a question or a comment? I want to do a piggyback on what you was talking about. Y'all was talking about the Delta, the Delta, uh, 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 the Delta variant. Uh -huh. Yes. I've never seen anything of this proportion. I mean, it's, it's first we had the first part of the strand. This is the second. I, when, I, when I researched on the computer, there's seven different strands, so we're not even out of hot water yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I wanted to say, y'all, is I've had to break off a lot of friendships and relatives, and I suggest that no one goes in no one's house, not as, 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 a, as, a, uh, as sensitive as it is, as contagious as it is, but people don't listen. Some people won't wear the mask. Mm -hmm. Some people won't wear gloves. They get up under each other. Kids playing with each other in, in the parking lot and stuff, you know, in some of these project areas. And parents aren't paying attention. And it's like, that's where a lot of deaths are coming coming through. I've taken the shots. I, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to get my second one. 
So I'm staying away from the people I used to know. And some of them, some people think I'm trying to be funny because I always wear my mask. Some people say, well, why are you wearing your mask? Man, you got, you got COVID? No, I'm trying to prevent getting. I'm not trying to get it from you either. <laughs> yeah, well, we we appreciate that, and uh, uh, you know, Thank that, you, like, like you said, there's a lot of views on that, and uh, and I think that's part of the issues right now. People have their different views, and some people think their civil liberties are being infringed upon, and uh, then some people are just uh, ill-informed. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of false information out there too. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, you know, again, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, confusion uh, because this is like he said uh, it's all new uh, and you read information about different variants out there I think he mentioned maybe seven or so Mm -hmm. and um, just keep informed uh, be knowledgeable and uh, most of all be safe I think for sure and uh, uh, we were talking about the um, you know the community as far as police living in the community where um you serve and and um, i think sometimes we we need to look at maybe statistics rise or do data or some sort of research saying you know because i'm sure across the country you have police officers that lit that do live in the community right and then maybe adopt some of those um ideas or models um and that might be something that we take a look at yeah and i think uh uh, laura uh mentioned that uh you know that that number here in this in arkansas in little rock is 70 percent that live outside and and i think in some of the areas that that where you see that community policing they like to see that number under 50 percent right absolutely hey we are still on the numbers and today we are dedicating (laughs) our show uh, yes to mr roosevelt franklin uh for the the black character for sesame street and so he was primarily um the numbers guy yeah him and the count count. oh definitely count dracula how could we ever forget count dracula Uh, (laughs) (laughs) he was one of my favorites i tell you man i don't know why i like count dracula so so much uh but um speaking of which the black billionaire startups and education um let's talk now wesley and and laura earlier this week new york city-based donors chose to announce that that uh, robert smith and his vista equity partners along with power school have fulfilled over 1,500 teachers funding requests for classroom supplies and over 650 schools where more than 50% of the student population is African-American. So he is doing a lot. He's a um, venture capitalist. We're talking about billionaire, black billionaire. The wealthiest I'm, I'm, black. Uh, the wealthiest one, right? Just ahead of Oprah. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so he, his, we're talking about his improvement, his efforts to improve the educational um, market in largely black um, communities across the South. And um, I definitely will be reaching out to Mr. Smith very, very soon. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to put his put us on his on his uh, uh, radar. So let's talk about some of his numbers, uh, Wesley. Okay, yeah, uh, five point two billion. Uh, that's how much Robert Smith is worth today. Uh, uh, he he is the founder and chairman of Vista Equity Partners. Uh, uh, that's a, a, a venture capital fund based in Austin, has offices in New York, San Francisco, and two other locations across the United States. His uh, portfolio of companies is worth $75 billion, uh, and that's more than 70 companies. One, the, the, the connection to Arkansas is that he is the, uh, was the so-called white knight 
that saved Axiom about 10 years ago. Yeah. Axiom was really having cash flow problems. He came in and, and uh, uh, invested, uh, bought up shares of about $200 million in, in Axiom when it was having dealing with uh, when the stock price dropped and, and it lost its biggest customer at that time, which was Facebook. And, and in your work as a Wall Street reporter, you have followed uh, Mr. Smith, and I think we may see his footprint uh, here in the future. Explain why you believe, um, Wes, uh, that we may see him invest well, in Arkansas well, his investment, startup company. Well, his investment in Axiom, he's familiar with it, but he's also a, a, a he has a connection. He's a Morehouse graduate, and his his, uh, his story went viral earlier this year when he paid off uh, uh, 400 million uh, uh, students, paid off their student loan yeah, debt. Yeah. And you're starting to see that movement all over the country. Uh, Philander Smith announced that it's going to Arkansas use, Baptist College, and, uh, and you're starting to see that movement. And I think even uh, uh, Mayor Scott had, had had encouraged the city, and you know when he rolled out his. Uh, uh, state of the city address. He talked about that, uh, talking about these angel investors, these wealthy people, people uh, to do that. That's a big investment. And one of the things is, is especially in a black community, student loan debt. I, oh, yeah. I, after yeah. you go to college, you, you are constrained uh, financially. And, and I think this gives them uh, a, a bit of freedom. But what he's looking to invest in, he's investing in in uh, environmentally friendly projects for black communities. He's doing a solar project in, in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and he's he's putting his, his money where his mouth is. He's not trying to draw a lot of attention to him, but he's looking for black startup companies. Uh, and I believe uh, uh, here in Arkansas, there are some companies that are of value in the startup community uh, that, uh, as you said, will gain his attention. And uh, uh, as uh, Black Consumer News has already, uh, we've talked with them uh, on some stories. Uh, uh, actually, they sent this, this particular story to us that's on our website this week. So... Uh, I'm excited about what he's doing. There's some other, uh, the former uh, Kenneth Chenault, who's the former uh, uh, CEO of American Express, a black, him and another guy, uh, Merck, uh, I think his name is also, I can't think of Ken, but they've also started a, a, a equity group that, that they are multimillionaires, uh, close to being billionaires. They started a similar fund to invest in black communities. Absolutely, and certainly a model that we all can make, you know, make is one that I personally have always thought about as far as our millionaires and our billionaires to, you know, because they come from these communities. <laughs> and, and, and what are we doing? And I think he's creating a, a wonderful model, yeah, uh, Wesley. And he's kind of under the radar a lot of times until he does something great. <laughs> so he's not one of those people that are just... He's just know, trying and, to get attention. And just trying to get attention. Go ahead, right. Laura. And it actually makes the... the playing field more level mm -hmm. for African Americans, particularly when you pay off um, the yeah. student loan debt, because um, the, the, pre the privileged uh, society, they go mm. out to work and whatever salary they're, they're making, they mm. can live. But mm. for us, uh, typically we have to pay back student loans that mm. exceed living mm -hmm. expenses and it makes it very difficult. So yeah, yeah, especially. the playing field, mm -hmm. having that. And it also encourages uh, students to go to HBCUs, yeah. which mm -hmm. I'm a complete advocate as a graduate of one. Mm. Um, but it encourages that because I just, even at the HBCU level, if you mm -hmm. look at the statistics and the graduation rates mm -hmm. and the employment rates, um, having the African-Americans that are your billionaires that can hire mm -hmm. 
our students um, increases that number for us. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of the things that you've already seen with those 400 Morehouse graduates, several of them, about 40 of them already said they're going to take the money that they would have had to pay and start their own business. Yeah. So they uh -huh. won't. So when they leave college, they don't have to go and work for someone else. They don't start their own businesses. And that, as you, it goes to that model of hiring uh, people that, that, that look like us. And, oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, so and, I I, think, and I think you're right, Laura. It's that motivation, you know, that, that model and giving people the idea, right? Placing that a new idea, a new concept, and a new way of doing things. And then looking, like you said, Wesley, mm -hmm. looking at what came out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, people using the money to start their own businesses. And then hopefully one day they, they'll say, hey, you know, I've made a lot of money in this business. Let me give back to the community as well. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly an ecosystem or model that we definitely yeah, want Yeah, go to. check out that story. And you look on yes. his, and if you can go to his website, you'll see that many of his his company and many of the companies that he, he is either owns or has stakes in, meaning that he has a minority or majority stake in those companies, you see, you go on those websites, you see people that look like us. He's investing in black startup companies uh, all over the country. So. Yeah, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, you can check that story out yeah. on blackconsumernews.com to yeah. keep updated and get that wonderful information that we all need and, and um, can definitely take advantage of. Afghanistan, the situation, I've got a uh, all kind of... Uh, crisscrosses and X's and, and exclamation points. Oh my God. It's, it's a just mess. like, it, yeah, it really is. And it's, it's very, very, very unfortunate. Uh, it's just, it's just um, a, a trying time for the people that are in Afghanistan for the Taliban to come back in and take over after 20 years of America being there and, and saying that, you know, we were there to protect the people and then put the people to work right and and have them working and now if you are able to if you if now now america is leaving and and then in order for you to be able to move around you have to show your credentials and your credentials may say that you were working for for the united states and then your life is um going to be in jeopardy and, and going to be threatened. Yeah. I mean, this is like a horrendous and, time. And if you're a woman, uh, you know, the Taliban the, Well, yeah, they don't, they, they're, no they don't, rights. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah. They're, they're, and, they're, and dressed from head to toe. Yeah. Co covered up. I mean, yeah. they have I mean, this is what you call extremist. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's as if, I mean, I was looking at some pictures and it's as if they were just sitting there just laying and waiting for the USA just to, to, to leave and, yeah. and, and here we go. Yeah. And, you know, this started 20 years ago. I was going to say, oh, yeah. the, the long-term effect of that, I got a call from the media yesterday mm -hmm. uh, seeking maybe mm -hmm. a police officer, a former vet from mm -hmm. Afghanistan, mm -hmm. but just to interview them, mm -hmm. um, to do the comparison. Right. And um, the Little Rock Police Department has a new wellness unit mm -hmm. uh, that was developed, and that's part of the 21st century policing under the Obama mm -hmm. administration. That's one of the pillars under it. But... In that wellness program for Little Rock, it started because we have many veteran officers. Mm, right. And when they returned, mm -hmm. they started to commit suicide yeah, just from yeah, the that, effects that of the war. So yeah. there's so many other variables that, that, that are not talked about. Right, that mm -hmm. will occur down the road or that mm -hmm. have occurred from 20 years ago. We are still dealing with, with that. Um, Imagine an officer imagining himself over there and this happening now and all those people they've connected with and had friendships with 
now those people are in danger and and you can see the PTSD coming back absolutely even the ones that are back mm-hmm. depending on what demographic they're from something as simple as a peaceful riot could mm. trigger Mm-hmm. something to make you think it's something that it is isn't well and then our and then our troop that were pulled out now they've had to go back mm-hmm. and make sure that the u.s citizen which i think was about four thousand that were based there or, or were in that country and then they're having to protect them in the airports so they're like sitting ducks right. mm-hmm. and so that's certainly a mental yeah, and that was four thousand at the airport but it's inside the nation when you look at the total demographic what the united states there's over forty thousand americans there right but but not just Americans, but allies, people that that we've that thought that things were going to change. Because when the Taliban started twenty years ago, uh, the reason we went over there was state-sponsored terrorism. When the two towers went down, right, and, because and that, of nine eleven, yeah, we mm-hmm. went out to get Bin Laden, and we were going to, and then Al Qaeda came in about a decade ago, and and now and now you may have again go back to twenty years ago where you have state-sponsored terrorism and that puts us in danger yeah. again yeah but they had some big dollars going on over there they 80 had to, billion. Well, 80 billion well they were building spent. new schools and yeah. there was a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, transacting over yeah, there we were in we got into what's called nation building mm-hmm. and that always is going to be a troubling kind of situation when you go in and build a nation investing almost a trillion dollars in u.s dollars building schools building uh, new buildings building uh, military bases uh, you know, building programs inside those countries, and then you stop and say, we're going to pull out and stop that? So haphazardly. I mean, I know that that was a deal that Trump had made with them before he left mm-hmm. um, uh, his presidency, but then, and then Biden is going ahead and following suit. Can you talk about that a little bit, Wes, as well, far as uh, well, why, Obama's why that policy happen? was basically, we don't we don't negotiate with terrorists uh, because Taliban is part, some people believe, and there is some history on that, the Taliban mm-hmm. is partly terrorist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Al-Qaeda has infiltrated the Taliban. So that's, that's the reasoning. By, but uh, but uh, 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 President Trump broke precedent. He invited the Taliban to the White House mm-hmm. to, 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 to uh, make this agreement to pull out and then to, to peacefully give control over to the Taliban. That's unprecedented in U.S. diplomacy. Our our foreign policy states that we do not, that's so, the pillar of our so foreign why, policy. So, so why does Biden go in and, and but say, he, okay, he just continued, haphazardly He continued that. that same policy. Okay. He didn't change it. He right. basically said, we're going uh, to stay to the agreement that the Trump put in place. And that is a, is a break in precedent of U.S. foreign policy uh, that we've had uh, ever since we've been involved, going back to uh, to the the first Roosevelt in, in the White House in the early 1900s. So, well, and I think it's mighty strange, especially with him, you know, working with Obama, Biden, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and then him to come back and, and do this. It, it, it's uh, again uh, confusing. Well, you, you have to understand. You, you have to understand. He was a senator. Uh, before, when when the tele- when we first went into Afghanistan, he was one of the highest-ranking senators, and he was behind this policy of going after uh, when when President George Bush was in the White House to go after Al Qaeda to go after. So, in some ways, his foreign policy goes back to before uh, when President Obama was in, because the reason why President Obama selected him as vice president was because of his experience in the Senate. So, right, right. Uh, so that I think he's going back to his past experience, previous experience as a U.S. senator. 
Oh, well, we don't want him to go back to his past. I don't, I don't know if we want to say that or not. Because <laughs> if, if that's the case, let's, I mean, we can go back to, uh, 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 you know, we might not want to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can keep reaching back and back and that we want to stop there. And speaking of stopping there, we're going to stop here now and talk to um, our wonderful um, special guest, Miss um, Laura Martin. She is the Community Relations Manager uh, for the Little Rock Police Department and has um, a distinction of being the first African-American um, female in the division and the first African-American in the division. And Laura, right. thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, we really appreciate you being here with us. And, um, you know, it's speaking of, you know, African-American, the first. So how has that transition been for you? How many years have you been at the police department now? Uh, 19 years. Mm -hmm. And actually, I was the first uh, female and African-American Division Commander in Communications, as you know, mm -hmm. um, and that was over the 911 uh, Center mm -hmm. for about 16 years. Wow. And then uh, transitioned to community relations under this, uh, mm -hmm. the current administration of uh, Mayor Scott and uh, Chief Humphrey. Mm -hmm. So tell us uh, more about your role. My role is to connect the police and people mm -hmm. within the community. Um, as we stated earlier, 70% of our officers do not live here. Mm -hmm. So the the biggest, if you ask me, the challenge of the job is connecting people who live in another city with mm. people that I know very well. Right. Um, you know, the the Dunbar community, mm -hmm. the, the Wright Avenue, sure. um, all the way out to Chenal Valley, to, mm -hmm. the, to the East End, connecting individuals who may not live and look like mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. So. If asked what the challenge of the job, that's part of it. Um, when we look at numbers, since this is a number show, statistically, crime, our part one offenses, is up by 10%. And I'll be glad to share mm -hmm. uh, that data for you to give to your listeners if you like. Yeah, okay. definitely. And we actually tracked that um, year to date versus year to date last year. And if you break it out and you look by divisions, the police department has three. We have our, our Southwest Division, mm -hmm. our Northwest Division, and then our 12th Street, which encompasses a lot. That yeah. goes to the River Market, to the East End, mm -hmm. um, oh, wow. mm -hmm. all of the downtown area, even though it's called the 12th Street. That's yeah. because we have our new station new there. Okay, yeah, 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 right, exactly. The but geographically, 12th Street corridor. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. okay. Geographically, Northwest is the largest mm -hmm. area. Um, and I like numbers, and this goes back to my division when mm. I was division commander in communications. When you look at uh, a lot of people, we get a lot of complaints in the police department about police either not coming or how long it takes. Sure. Mm -hmm. From everything to the point of contact of calling 911 to an officer arrives. And actually, in our 12th Street division, our numbers statistically of response time mm -hmm. is the highest. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think because we're it's so close knit you have the downtown area mm -hmm. the longest is northwest right. because it's so spread out and as you all know geographically yes if you get caught um say at bowman heading west to chanel at 5 30 you're kind of stuck like chuck mm -hmm. um so when we look at numbers we always like to look at our response times uh specifically uh, what I wanted to share today is how we got to that 10% mm -hmm. increase in crime and get, just get your ideas, yours as well as the listeners, as to where it comes from. 
Part one offenses are our homicides, our forcible rapes, uh, robberies, the aggravated assaults, the most serious mm-hmm. crimes. And those are the numbers that have gone up um, mm-hmm. ten, by 10%. A lot of times, you know, uh, myself, the chief, and other uh, commanders in the police department, we recognize if you ask how COVID, you know, since we're talking about COVID 19, yeah, yeah, the well, impact of it has impacted the community in these numbers economically. It's, it's impacted it. Mm-hmm. Um, even in some of the rapes, you know, you have some mm-hmm. some children that are at home now yeah. under virtual learning that oh, otherwise yes. would Women be at school. And maybe with a sitter that mm. is not appropriate to be sitting with, mm-hmm. with children. Right. So there are so mm. many um, variables. variables that yes. have impacted the increase in the numbers, not being able to work and and earn your income because so many if any restaurant that you go to now is hiring mm-hmm. and so somebody held those jobs yeah they don't have them um my mother who's in her 80s always says if you don't work you a steal mm-hmm. um but you have to look at what if you can't work certainly mm-hmm. we don't want you to steal mm-hmm. um but some people are really it's a survival mode which yeah, greatly you know, impacts the uh, what we had on the show talking about how some of the unemployment conversations was cut off our governor and those people that you're talking about going that has those frontline jobs at the restaurants uh, uh, in, in customer service. Those are the people who are making a decision. Is it worth me going back my health? And, and to, so they, you know, you're right. COVID has brought so many variables into the equation of policing. Yeah. And a lot of times people want to pass that blame to the administration mm-hmm. but if you look at all of the numbers and statistics nationally mm-hmm. it's, it's the we are not unique no no <laughs> not, not at all not mm-hmm. and our numbers 10 percent, is much lower in the city of little rock especially mm-hmm. now having the numbers with the increase in citizens you right. know in mm-hmm. residents so. and so how is your position helping the communities uh here in greater little rock especially the communities that have recently been faced with a lot of um, gun violence my uh, position with the community relations aspect is we are doing, we just did recently, a couple of weeks ago, a gun mm. buyback. Right. Okay. Um, and if you look at it nationally, and even the chief realizes that it doesn't always work as you want it to work. Mm-hmm. We did uh, secure 17 weapons, and that may not sound like a lot, mm. but that's 17 guns, you don't have guns that were off the street. Yeah, tell us about that program. How, how, did, how was that? How does that work? Well, that's and that's one of the things I do in my position. I form partnerships okay. um, with multiple organizations within the community. Uh, Phi Beta Sigma. That is their initiative of their fraternity nationwide. Mm-hmm. So it was Phi Beta Sigma who, with other partners, local churches, had secured the, the funding. And gift cards are purchased. Mm-hmm. And then we did the, the social media push that if you bring the guns back, you can get, depending on what type of weapon it is, $50 gift card, $100 gift card. Um, and just to get them off the street and just to let you know some of the uh, individuals that brought guns, we had wives whose husbands were deceased who had weapons in their home and they just that was an opportunity for them to get them out well the reality of it is most of the weapons used in crime i don't have those exact numbers they are stolen Mm -hmm. and it almost goes into the first amendment folks that have their guns and their right to bear Mm -hmm. arms Mm -hmm. that's 
leaving them in their vehicles, um, which takes they us, get stolen. Yeah, uh -huh. which takes us right back to our numbers of our auto breaking and entering. Uh -huh. So it's all, all they're all it, together. It's all interconnected as uh -huh. to the crime and the increase in crime in the city. Well, and you know, and like you said, you guys were able to um, confiscate 17 yep. weapons, and maybe one or two of those was some someone's life. And especially because there's a like you said with the COVID 19, there's a lot of things that that are on the rise, and and uh, definitely make want to make sure that those guns are not in the wrong in the wrong hands. So, um, what can community community members in the underserved population begin to do to create better relationships with the police department, and also what can the Little Rock Police Department do to create more trust along uh, with a better relationship with these communities Absolutely. as well? Absolutely, and that's one of the things that I have worked really hard uh, in trying to bridge those gaps within the community. We did have a community forum where we had um, some individuals from the Department of Justice, mm -hmm. and two or three of them were retired chiefs from Florida and you know other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, being connect pretty well connected to the community, I was able to get a really good diverse group um, right. for them to talk to because you want to hear every side from every person sure. because when it comes to the elected officials who are making the decisions, you want to know where they're getting, because they the are information. going to, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yes. So in that forum, the things that uh, you know we gleaned from that was a lot of people don't even know what 21st century policing, they it's make fun of it, they mm. don't know. And that was implemented under the um, Obama administration, but that is exactly what connecting police in the community is. Mm -hmm. People ran from it just because he implemented people ran from it because they thought um you know we were going to make you work in a community which mm -hmm. no one should have to force mm -hmm. a police officer to go out and work in a community right. right so one of the things is we i've developed uh quite a few programs that will put them out there um to be involved in the Absolutely. community. I love that, and I love the forum idea. That might be something that the Dunbar community adopts because it's communication, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have an open dialogue to really, you know, get engaged with people, especially if you live on the outside. So that's a way to bring people on the inside as Absolutely. well. So I commend that. And I was very intentional in selecting and inviting those individuals. We had um, everyone from Ryan Davis to Kathy Wells, who's in the dime yes. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. downtown. Yeah, she... So I made it really, really inclusive because we wanted to hear that. And I'll, I'll share with you the report mm -hmm. that we got from the Department okay, of great. Justice. Yeah. And actually, they were um, the individuals who did the forum and conducted it for us. They're part of the mm -hmm. National Forum for Black Public Administrators and Noble, which is mm -hmm. the National Black Police Association. Right. So uh, they came in and they had numbers it was just funded by the department of justice mm -hmm. and uh going forward as you 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 talked about how the impact of COVID and and your job as as a community community itself means that you've got to get out Absolutely. you've got to have a footprint out in the community mm -hmm. uh with the rise of the delta variant are you having to delay because we were starting to go back out and do things uh, so are you having to delay some of the, your plans and so, uh, obviously uh, and just from talking with and, and just from knowing and talking with people about your job, you are out in the community. People know you. Right. And one of the things that we were full throttle in the mm -hmm. community, 
right when COVID came, COVID-19, and it impeded that. Um, To the point that we have, we do Zoom. A lot of our quarterly meetings, we have police quarterly meetings. And unfortunately, and I've tried to change that over the last 20 years or 19 years that I've been with the department, is most of the the areas that have the most problems, they don't attend it. Mm-hmm. And you know, squeaky wheel gets the attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going from when we were out, and I could say, when I moved into this role, you come to the meeting, let me hear your voice. Mm-hmm. Let those officers who may not live in your community see your face, see sure. how, how adamant you are about you know your neighborhood mm-hmm. and um but that's a challenge it was mm-hmm. a challenge in person mm-hmm. it went to a whole nother level when you talk about zoom mm-hmm. sure because yeah. some of our biggest advocates uh, an example is the south end is um miss jeffries mm-hmm. she's over there mm-hmm. and what is her name dr Gosh, I can't remember her name, mm-hmm. but I talked to her all the time. From Pine Bluff? Was it? Yeah, I think she's from Pine Bluff I area. I think she mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But they live in the South End neighborhood. And when you look at them, they may not be really savvy on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So it really, COVID-19 has impeded um, oh, yeah. our ability to mm-hmm. really get out in the community. Um, so much so we have a cease fire program. And I don't know if you guys, are, mm-hmm. you heard about that. We were able to implement one, the one in the East End. And you were going to go really aggressive with that before the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were scheduled uh, this week to do the John Barrow neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, South End was That's where my 28th. church is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and we've had some buy-in, too, from churches. Uh, in, in terms of getting into the community, there are churches who are donating because mm-hmm. so much crime is around their mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Yeah. And one of the things I do is I make it, um, really inclusive of the entire city. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this coming up Monday, we have a meeting with the Hispanic pastors, mm-hmm. and that's very important. Important because we have a chaplain program, mm-hmm. and that program, the Laura Police Chaplain Program, is inclusive of just about every denomination. Mm-hmm. And then we have to have that chaplain who is bilingual, so mm-hmm. we have a couple, you know, Hispanic. So from that, that. Um, expanded into meeting just with them because that's a community in the police department who has almost I don't want to say replaced mm-hmm. the African-American community but many of them are not citizens and don't report some serious crimes yeah you know because yeah that growth in our population ab- is largely the Hispanic population it absolutely yeah, that's mm-hmm. why a lot of times we say black and brown people mm-hmm. these absolutely. days well, uh, well, Laura, it sounds like your efforts are, 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 are really, um, you know, connecting with the community on all different aspects. Yes. That's a huge job to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, we need uh, to get her back again soon. Oh, absolutely. I do want to ask one last question, though. I know that um, that you have uh, a work in Kenya um, with the mission there in Kenya, Africa. And can you tell us a little bit about that, that what you're doing in, in Kenya as far as your mission work is concerned and and, and, and uh, a little background um, that you have as far as mission mission work is concerned, being the, the wife of a minister and, um, and, and how that's going for you? Yeah, I, um, as you know, I worked, um, I've had three jobs in my life. Family life was one and then AT&T and now uh, the city of Little Rock and Police Department. But my husband has a heart for foreign men, uh, 
mission work and uh, him being a pastor, it, he, he, he doesn't believe that's putting on white and sitting on the front row, you know, the stereotype of mission work, sure. but it's going out. And we have a great love for Nairobi. And what we did there was um, marriage conferences. Oh, okay. um, and he's even gone to Haiti. So that work was an effort because in, in Nairobi, in, in terms of marriage, there mm-hmm. are the traditional marriage and then there are the marriages like the Western sieve. And to, to blend those two together takes a lot of work. So that was our primary mission work in Nairobi was working with married couples um, and helping them to kind of acclimate to contractual marriages, if you will, is what I call them here. Okay. Um, Because there you could have multiple wives within your village and that was allowed. Um, Very difficult to navigate. The last time I went to Nairobi, I I remember thinking, looking at one couple, <laughs> that would be a homicide in the United States of America. <laughs> Did you say homicide? Oh my goodness. It wouldn't work too Listen, oh my goodness. Once again, Laura, it has been a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you're doing um, for on behalf of the community, on behalf of our Little Rock. Of, yeah, and especially our community. And uh, if you were listening, I'm sure that people took a, a lot of great information away with them and get involved be involved and i think that's the message that we want to say here on black consumer news again thank you so much for joining us and we will be back here next wednesday from 11 a.m until noon next friday make sure you go (laughs) and like us on facebook twitter and check us out at blackconsumernews.com and make us your daily informative read thank you again peace and blessings to all